Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of The Sound Heart. First of all, I'd like to give God thanks for this opportunity to meet with his saints, and God is our king. Amen. He is on the throne. He sits enthroned above the flood, for that we are ever thankful. So uh, this morning, I'd like to uh, speak with you on the topic counting the cost of not following Jesus. Counting the cost of not following Jesus. Now, I'm going to be speaking, well, I'm going to start from the book of Exodus, and then we're going to go into the book of Matthew, and if I have time, I'm going to go into the book of Luke. There are several verses in uh, the gospel documents that speak of following Jesus. And so I'd like to get into a little of the grammar, um, if I may. But before that, we're going to start in Exodus. So let us have a word of prayer. We give you thanks, Father, for this opportunity. We ask to be guided by the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the scriptures. We do thank you, Lord, that we still have the word of God available to us in these evil days. Thank you, Father, for the gift of grace. Thank you for your son who gave his life on a Roman gibbet on our behalf. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are here because we have been imputed with the righteousness of Christ. And without the righteousness of Christ, one is not saved. It is through the imputed righteousness of Christ that we are able standing before God. And so we can, as Paul wrote, we stand in grace. We stand in grace. We have been graced out of death, and we have moved into uh, the new uh, arena of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so we have a conjoint relationship with him that is inseparable. It is eternal. And uh, no, there is no enemy that can snatch us from uh, his hand. That is the hand of the Father. So we have eternal assurance in Christ with regard to our, our salvation. Now, some believers may doubt that uh, if they have sin going on in their lives. And if you know a believer who is wrestling with the doctrine of, of eternal security and uh, who has sat under teaching uh, that has said, well, uh, that is not in the Bible. Well, 
eternal security is in the Bible. You have to carefully study Romans. You have to carefully study Ephesians. You have to carefully study the New Testament doctrine of salvation. You have to be very careful. And uh, you have to find qualified Bible teachers, and they're coming, becoming very, extremely rare uh, in these days. You'll find a whole lot of sensationalism, uh, but find capable Bible teachers so that you can learn Bible doctrine and be assured of your salvation. So this uh, topic, uh, counting the cost of not following Jesus, um, is one that I think about all the time. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to read to you from Exodus chapter 15, and uh, at the end of Exodus uh, chapter 14, uh, we have these words, uh, beginning in verse uh, Exodus 14:29 through 31. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. When the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Now, the, so, now in Hebrew, the word Egyptian is the word Mithraim, and it means double distresses, double distresses. So the word denotes type of hard servitude under which uh, the people of God, uh, I'm going to say, lived or ex- existed. And so God, they saw his deliverance. They experienced his deliverance from the power of Egypt, one of the great uh, ancient powers. And... Uh, let me say that if you want to get a deeper knowledge of Israel and what these people are capable of, there are some outstanding books on on, on Semitic history uh, that you can read about, and they will go they will go into great detail about uh, Egyptian sorcery, Egyptian medicine, uh, Egyptian mummification techniques. Uh, etc. And because this was no a small power, uh, God showed Himself mighty over oh, the mightiest military uh, of the day. And these people, they were by no means uh, small by any stretch of the imagination. This was a great, great empire that God defeated. So in chapter 15 of uh, Exodus, uh, we have the the song of Moses and Miriam. Miriam, of course, was his sister. uh, Chapter 15, verse 1, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, 
I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, the horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. In other words, the divine warrior. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sink to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. And that's the sense uh, that we get in the Hebrew text, that the waters, the surging waters congealed uh, into an ice-like uh, formation. That is the sense that, that we have in the Hebrew text. So the deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia, and it did. So... And Philistia was a sophisticated late Bronze Age. Uh, or the cultures that he speaks of are Philistia, uh, Edom, Moab, and Canaan were sophisticated late Bronze Age cultures with, uh, of the ancient world. So terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, O oh Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O oh Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O oh Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And that is the end of verse 18. So, uh, what we have here is the, the song of Miriam and Moses uh, rehearses the movement of the pre-incarnate Christ. The song of Miriam and Moses celebrates the work of Yeshua HaMashiach, that is Jesus the Messiah. They saw firsthand his power at work. And 
they see the mighty arm of the Lord. They see his work of salvation. And when we get to the New Testament, when we go to John 1, John speaks of the word, the Logos, who is the, in, the incarnate. Uh, he is the, the incarnate uh, lo, uh, Logos. He is God manifest in flesh, and that is who Jesus is, the, the Anthropos, the God-man, who has come or has, who has, was manifest in flesh for our redemption. And during the days of his public ministry, he had much opposition. Now, if you are faithful to Christ, and God has been faithful to you because of your faithfulness to him, and uh, you are experiencing the blessings of God, please understand that you will face opposition. The enemy will attempt uh, to find some way to move in on what uh, the benefits that God has brought into your life, he will seek to cause problems for you. Understand the enemy. And uh, look, who he will use, whom he will use, what group he will use, what circumstances he will use, you don't know. But how does one prepare? Uh, for this type of opposition. Well, the first thing that Jesus said for us, it is for you and I, is to take up the cross and follow me or follow him. So what I want to talk about this morning is counting the cost of not following Jesus. Uh, It is indeed perilous uh, to not follow Jesus. And there are people uh, who will tell you that you don't have to worry about uh, making a serious commitment uh, to Christ. There are other factors or other things in this life to claim your attention. And when you take these, these false beliefs and when you allow yourself to be lulled to sleep uh, by these hollow lies, that's what happens then the sharpness of your witness becomes, uh, starts to become dull. You, you will find that you're no longer as sharp as you were in the past because uh, you've begun, begun to slip and you've, let, you've compromised. And the compromise has made you dull. Please read the book of Hebrews. And he, the writer there talks about spiritual dullness or sluggishness, and uh, it it is a uh, very dangerous spiritual uh, position in which to find oneself. So uh, I want to encourage you today to count the cost of not following Jesus. Things or circumstances and events uh, are happening faster than you might you might guess. And it is not far-fetched to say that one may, may wake up one morning to find oneself uh, in a very perilous uh, situation these days. So we're to be prepared. Remember, 
Remember the, the foolish virgin uh, who lamps, uh, lamps were not trimmed with oil and they were not ready. And just think about what that means. And so they knew the bride, the, that the bridegroom was coming and they wanted the virgins that had trimmed their lamps and were ready for the coming uh, of the Lord. Uh, they said, give us some of your oil. They said, no, we're not going to do that. You know, because they had the discipline and they had the focus. Their lives were focused. These people, uh, their lives were not focused. And so at the, uh, they believed that they could, Fix your situation by going to those who have prepared and asking them of the oil. I said, no, we can't do that. So uh, I want to now go to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. So uh, this is the rich young ruler. And in Matthew 19:20. The young man said, uh, said to Jesus, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, that, it, that should read complete, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Now, so the verb follow me is in the present imperative. And in the Greek, it means, it means to move quickly and straight. Move quickly and straight. Verse 22. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. <coughs> Excuse me. For he had great possessions. He went away sorrowful, for he had great. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? So I, I love uh, Peter's statement. And so Peter says, uh, we have forsaken all. And so the word forsaken here uh, in verse 27 means to send off, to send away, to send off and away from oneself. Then, and, and Jesus said unto them, verily I say unto you that, you which have followed me in the regeneration, 
when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So what is the regeneration? Well, remember that the times of the Gentiles began with uh, in the Old Testament, uh, and during, in the book of Daniel, with King Nebuchadnezzar. And Jesus is going to himself end the times of the Gentiles. So uh, Gentile world domination will end. Jesus will come at the end of the tribulation period to set up his kingdom. And so uh, there is the regeneration. When all of this stuff, all of this evil shall be overcome. Please read 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, and there's a reference in 1 Corinthians 15 not to the regeneration and the eternal state. So, verse 29, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Remember, Jesus said that if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will be rewarded. I don't want you to live as those who do not know God. You know that if you Cast your bread upon the waters after many days, it will be found. You know that what you give to God will be used in a very powerful manner, and God will reward you. You must be faithful to believe. You cannot be distracted by the carnal distractions of this world that want you that want to slip you up, want to poke fun at you, want to lambast, want to uh, make your faith seem like uh, is, is something that, that's not worthwhile. Listen, hold on to your faith. Please read uh, the book of Hebrews. And uh, Paul writes about, uh, you know, what he would uh, – what it means or what it meant to be uh, made fun of about one's faith. And so he endured that and he suffered that. And uh, don't look for everyone to understand your resolve to live fully as unto the Lord. Don't look for your, your the completion of your of your reward to uh, to be recognized here. It's not, it's not going to happen, okay? And uh, But you will be completely repaid by God for your works of faith, and you must know that. And so my word to you, Saint, is to just keep on keeping on and keep on relying on God and believing in God and... Uh, you know, God's going to reward you, but you you have to be faithful. Uh, when you just lift up what is burdening your heart to the Lord, God's going to bless you in a, in a marvelous way. 
and in marvelous ways. You, you will see it and experience it. Uh, the enemy uh, is going to use your loved ones. Uh, he's going to use your love. He's going to try in many ways uh, to defeat you. But let me tell you what I've learned from my experience. Whatever God has given you, if you have not given it back to the Lord, he's going to be contaminated and touched by the enemy in a way that's going to be very harmful. You cannot afford to hold on to resentment or bitterness or anger or jealousy or envy because the enemy is corrupted and he will use those corrupt uh, states of being in order to do you harm if you allow it. But if you put on the armor of God and you wait on God, God's going to bless you. And you're going to come out uh, farther ahead in life than you ever realized. So you have to believe God. When you uh, follow Jesus fully, you will begin to recognize this. Yeah, you're going to have some battles. You're going to have some real hard things to overcome. And the things that God brings into your life are designed what? To get you and I to give up uh, what we hold on to in the flesh. What we hold on to in the flesh is going to cause us the most harm spiritually. What we hold on to in the flesh is what? A weapon for the enemy against our walk with Christ. Luke 14, 25. Luke 14, 25 and following. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, <coughs> He come, at, uh, come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, that hath not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king? Just if not down first and consult us, whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth ambassadors and desireth conditions of peace. For likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So understand what is going on here in verses 25 uh, to 33. Jesus does not fit his purposes to me. Okay? Jesus does not fit his purposes to me. I must bow to him. This is the intense life. This is the life wherein 
the divine imperative is central. It's central, not the human imperative. That is fraught with evil and corruption. Okay? Everything humanistic, everything uh, that is about humanism and self, it is always about corruption. Jesus confronts, in verse 25, there went a great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them. So uh, he confronted these people with their motives. So following Jesus must be motivated by what? The most intense clarity. Why do you follow Jesus? Or why do you say you follow Jesus? Is it for religious sentiment or for religious feeling? Is it tradition? Uh, what does it mean? So, any come to me and hate not. Notice the language. And so, uh, we have uh, hate not is in the present imperative. And we have an absolute negation. And hate not his father, mother, wife. That is, the most important people in one's life. That is, one's commitment to Christ is looked at as something that is that far or, or exceedingly outweighs one's commitment to the most intrinsic and, uh, and most intimate relationships. He is primary. And the thing that the devil have, has people to miss is this. When you follow Jesus as he states you and I must, the relationships that you have with your family and those who, uh, whom you say you love are even more endearing and, and more powerful and filled with uh, a, a greater intimacy than we could ever have on a merely human level. Because why? Because God is central. And please don't miss that wonderful seed of truth. Don't miss that. Okay? This is worthwhile. This is a worthwhile life. This is the only worthwhile life, following Jesus. So, and verse 27, and he who does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he goes on, for which of you intending to build a, a uh, to build a tower to this not down first? Notice, you know, <laughs> What the, uh, the way the Lord speaks and counteth the cost, whether he, have, whether he has sufficient to finish it. So I have my plan. <clears throat> I have the cost of the tools and the equipment and the materials. Uh, I have to sit down, find out whether or not I have what I need to complete this project. Parable for the believer, the parable of the tower states that I must sit down and see if 
if you can afford to follow me, that is what Jesus is saying to the believer. Sit down and see if you can afford to follow me. Now, um, then let me go on to the next one. Verse 29, thus happily after he has laid the foundation is not able to finish, all that begin to, uh, to behold and mock him. So uh, they said he is not able to avail, that is, to overcome. And they mocked this, uh, this individual, because he did not know what he was doing. Or in the parable of the king going to make war. So this, the parable of the king means sit down and see if you can afford to refuse my demand. There is nothing in the language of Jesus and the four Gospels that portends anything superficial, anything silly, anything that does not involve maximum commitment on the part of the individual. So the parable of the king, sit down, and see if you can afford to refuse my demand. Jesus must be our one priority. And when that takes place, when we have that clarity, look, there are certain relationships in life that must have essential clarity. If you don't have clarity about Jesus and who he is, then you're going to have problems spiritually. If you don't, if you have problems uh, within a, a marriage relationship and you're not sure you want the marriage or you want to continue or whatever, then there's someone else or you want something else, then you're not going to have any further success in the marriage. When you have clarity about what is essential and what matters in life, then you are able to move ahead. And the enemy is going to find very few ways to tempt you or to trip you up or uh, to create conditions in your life so that you you won't become stuck. Because the enemy... If he can stick you and he can confuse you, if he can distract you, then you become ineffective. Jesus brings clarity to one's life. And you can depend on that clarity. Oh, and you can tell when that clarity and that relationship with him is growing. Uh, and because the dependency is, is deeper and has deepened between you you and the Lord. But your walk is deeper and you know what grace is. You don't want to ever be uh, you don't want to ever be outside of that sphere of grace. So now when we go to look uh, further into uh, this particular doctrine I'm going to take a look. Uh, now I'm in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, this is verse 34. Lost well, towards verse 32. 
Whosoever therefore confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Well, wait a minute. I thought in the book of Luke that the heavenly host uh, said something with about on earth peace and goodwill toward men. What was that about? And yet, here as as a young man in his public ministry, Jesus says, "What? I did not come to send uh, peace upon the earth." So what is that verse talking about? And, uh, you know, how are we to make sense of the scriptures when we have something that seems uh, to be a contradiction? There is no contradiction. Uh, The word of God here is is just speaking of what is going to come in the future. Uh, And uh, God is... And this is uh, Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Now, there will come a day when these things will be. But Jesus has been, he is now, his public ministry took place within the satanic system. Remember uh, John chapter 1, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. So this was a militant, malevolent environment in which the light of Jesus was manifested. And so what, what is Jesus saying here? I came not to send, uh, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. And in the Greek is really amazing because here in, in the Greek it means a sudden throwing or hurling of the sword where peace was expected. <laughs> oh, man. Now you see why I started off reading Exodus chapter 15. Uh, and in, in Exodus 15:3 we have the verse of the divine warrior. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. So the divine warrior is here on earth. He is making war with whom? (coughs) He has come to overthrow the rule of the devil. He has stepped into the arena. And that's what we have here. And then the devil went in in Genesis 3 to destroy the homes. And, And so here... In uh, Matthew 10:35, Jesus says this: "For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. One would do well carefully the words of Jesus. Now, yes, there will be family conflict around whom? Around the, uh, the person of Jesus. There are going to be those who are going to be deeply committed uh, to the person of Jesus because they know him uh, as really as their Savior. Then there are those who are merely religiously conv- uh, related to Jesus and they don't have a serious relationship with him. But they are religious. It doesn't mean they're saved. And so Jesus says, verse 36, a man's foes will be they of his own household. Uh, if you are a real believer, you know the reality of this. And so what do you do? Uh, you pray for these family members because they are at war against themselves, with themselves. And the devil knows how to twist them and use them uh, to be their own enemy. He knows how to do that. And I've seen this. And I have learned to become a warrior uh, uh, priest and a, war, uh, a warrior uh, who, who prays constantly. I don't just say, well, I'm going to pray. Uh, I have to maintain a perfect spirit. Because I don't know what the enemy is going to try to do or what he's going to try to attempt or what fleshly thing he's going to try to bring up uh, in order to create conflict. That's who he is. He's the adversary. That's what he does. You don't know whom he is going to use or what situation. And so let me say, uh, be spiritually prepared. And look at the language, verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Go back and read your word and go back and study the words of Jesus. Because, look, when he comes back, he's coming in the first part uh, of his second coming. He's coming back for believers. He's coming back for those who are asleep and to rapture those who are still awake. Then we're going to go away for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, at, uh, and then at the end of the tribulation period, he's going to come back. We're going to come back with him. And he's coming back to... Uh, for the the Battle of Armageddon, he's coming back to establish his throne in Jerusalem, and we will co-reign with him. He will rule with a rod of iron. Please read Psalm chapter 2. Please read Revelation chapter 1, the book of Joel. Uh, powerful events are going to unfold. God is going to expose the wicked. God is going to expose the liars. God is going to expose who knows him. And who does not? My word to you today is 1 Corinthians 15. uh, That is, believe the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and thou shalt be saved. It's not a time to think that I am merely religious. This is a time to get serious with the Lord. Don't know what's happening Monday, and I don't know anyone else who does, only the Lord. Good afternoon. Well, still good morning. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.